Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today, John and I talk all things football. We we start with going into bad playoff losses, but we also talk about momentum and choking in sports, but it's all really rooted in this experience that John had as a football fan and that we've all had if we're sports fans, which is a bad playoff loss. And John, you're a Detroit Lions fan, so you experienced that. So, you know, what, what are some of the other ideas we talk about in this podcast or what stood out to you? Um, well, I have to put a qualifier on there. I am a Detroit Lions fan, but I'm a Johnny come lately because I moved to Detroit um, a few years ago and um, I'm a public school teacher. So paying for the Sunday ticket, you know, to, to continue to watch um, the Steelers was going to be difficult and we didn't want to get direct tv again um so i kind of made a business decision a little bit uh plus i live you know pretty you know like i live in the suburbs of detroit you know pretty you know like in the you know detroit greater area or whatever you want to call it metro area so i kind of felt like hey i can have one team that's that's local so i kind of feel like uh you know i i would be kind of like stolen valor if i was like oh i'm a you know detroit lions fan so um, it didn't hurt me as much as I think it might hurt somebody who's, you know, been a fan for their whole life and that kind of thing. But but we do mention or I mentioned that it doesn't seem like it affects people as negatively as I I figured it would uh, just based on like knowing the team history, how the team had it in the bag at halftime. Uh, people are in like pretty good spirits. Uh, and that, that's good to hear. So we were going to go into it just talking about that. But because the not the the Lions fan base isn't really taking it too hard, at least the people John's around. We, we talk about other other issues as well, but all football related. So if you like sports or if you are interested in the subject of why do teams choke or what's what's momentum in sports, we talk about all that on this episode of the Class X Podcast. And we even give our Super Bowl takes, which we'll talk about at the end of this episode. So thanks for listening. We'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today, John and I will be exploring this question. What's it like to experience a bad playoff loss as a sports fan? Now, this is a question that one fan base will definitely experience next Sunday with the Super Bowl coming up. But John, you've experienced one of the worst that I've seen in recent sports history, and uh, that was the Lions losing against the San Francisco 49ers, giving up a huge lead in the second half of last week's football game. So losing big leads is one example of, of the many ways to have a painful playoff sports loss or just a sports loss in general that's painful. So with all that said, what was your experience like last week? And to add to that question, the second part, John, what, what has it been like in the in the Michigan area? Because you live in that area. Yeah, I live uh, I live like thirty minutes from the stadium, and so a lot of the you know people I work with and uh, guys I know and stuff are uh, big Lions fans, guys who grew up rooting for the Lions, and everybody was really excited for the game. And um, yeah, it was a tough way to lose just because they were up big at halftime, uh, and they it was one of those games where like the first drive they just marched right down and scored 
uh, like really quickly, like before you even sit down, you know, it's like, oh, seven nothing lead. Um, so it was a really tough way to, really tough way to lose. Um, so I think those guys, I think it's different if you grew up here cause I grew up in California. And so I've only been a Lions fan since I moved here the past like few years. I just kind of jumped on the wagon and, uh, and so I didn't, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, I've been waiting my whole life for this and, and this is how we lose, you know? Um, so, but I think, I don't know, it's kind of a weird vibe. I thought that more guys would be, um, more upset over it or just like, you know, but it seems like there's a kind of a vibe of, you know, Hey, we're glad we made it this far. And, um, so yeah, it, it didn't really seem as crushing as, as it looked like on paper. Yeah. Cause I would, I would think it it's crushing and for you as a new fan, not so much. No, not really. I mean, like it was a bummer, you know, and there's some like local businesses that still have like lion's colored lights on and, you know, like, uh, like different billboards that are, that are still like, you know, like lions, you know, whatever. And so it's kind of a bummer getting ready for the Super Bowl, and you think, man, it should, you know, should still be going. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I was kind of upset and I was like, man, this sucks, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I couldn't roll out of bed the next day or something. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Well, so in the Detroit context, we have Dan Campbell. He's, you know, he's the coach and he comes up often as, as this risk taker. And I I think, I think it's safe to say he's the primary reason why the Lions lost the game and, you know, blew this kind of big lead. It's primarily his mentality as a coach. You know, he rarely kicks field goals and, in this game, his high risk, high reward mentality, it definitely led to uh, a momentum shift and a loss of points. So, uh, you know, I don't know. After watching this, did did you change your mind about his aggressive style, his aggressive mentality? Or do you just see it as like, yeah, this is the identity of this team and he's, we're either all in on it or, you know, we're not? That That's the annoying thing to me is that I don't understand why to preach toughness, you have to like not kick field goals. Like that just, it just seems like a weird symbolic kind of thing. And I feel like he chose the symbolism of, you know, biting kneecaps, which is like his, you know, big famous, like kind of speech when he was hired, uh, that people made fun of him for. And it's like, he was so committed to, to the symbolic nature of going for it on fourth that it's like, you gave away the Super Bowl just, just to do your weird fourth down thing. And the infuriating thing to me, I sh- I didn't even think about this when I was first talking about it. Like when he gave the post game press conference, I was actually kind of angry at it because he was just like, I don't know, man. That's just you know, hey, that's just what we do. I know I'm gonna get criticized, but that's all right. That's how we play. And it's just like, what the heck? Like you didn't learn a lesson from that? You know, hey, maybe next time kick the field goals. And so to me, that was really annoying. And um, I'm surprised that more people, you know, really haven't like at least in the area, kind of said, hey. You know, like that, that's kind of a problem, but I kind of, I think what's going on, like, I just kind of came to this. I, I think that like they're so used to like not having any winning at all. Uh, Cause when Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator who like the last couple of years has been kind of like a hot commodity for like, Oh, maybe he'll be a, a head coach. Um, when he announced that he was coming back, I thought that's like, Oh, awesome. Cause I figured once he left, he's kind of the brains of the operation on offense and that's their strength. I thought they were just going to be, you know, it's one thing to have like that mentality of toughness, but if you don't have any scheme with it, it's just like, you know, it's just, you're basically like a rah-rah high school coach with no, with no scheme. And so when he came back, I thought, Hey, at least maybe now there's some hope, um, for, you know, for the future. 
And when I texted like my buddies here about it, and I'm like, phew, thank God we got him back. I was surprised that they didn't feel like that was that vital, really. They're like, yeah, that's good, run it back. But it wasn't like, thank God, you know? And so I wonder if they just, in the same way that like when Dan Marino lost the Super Bowl early in his career, just figured he'll just be back, you know? I wonder if fans around here just think, hey, it's a good start, or I'm just glad we ha- we got this far in the first place, and it just doesn't sink in that, hey, you may never have it, you know, you might not have this chance again. Do, do you think, do you think that the X's and O's guy is just not as appealing to the fan base as you know your Dan Campbell rah rah guy? I'm not sure, you know, and I don't know if a lot of this is just my age, you know, because like I'm sending these texts out to 40 and 50 year old guys, and maybe they're just like you know. I mean, we talk sports all the time, but, you know, maybe they, I don't know. It, it would be interesting if I was, like, in my early 20s, you know, t- texting other guys that age just to see kind of what their viewpoint would be. Um, so maybe that plays a factor. I, I'm really not sure. It's, it has been just kind of a weird a weird kind of vibe that, like, nobody's really talking about it and everybody just seems kind of positive a little bit. And um, I don't know. I wonder if the history of the team plays a role because – I know with the Saints, they're they're signing one of the offensive guys from the 49ers, and they've had a lot of success. And he's an X's and O's guy. And the, there was talk of them bringing Gruden in, which was really controversial. And a lot of people didn't like that. Ooh. And he's kind of he's an X's and O's guy, but he's also that you know he has that persona of being Chucky and all that stuff with other personas as well. But so they're bringing in... And a verified racist. Yeah, yeah. I know. So a lot of people in New Orleans didn't want that, which is which is good. But at the same time, you know, they did bring in the X's and O's guy, and there's a lot of celebration. But that's in the context of Saints fans have had 16 years of Sean Payton and Drew Brees, which is a which was an X's and O's system, you know? Drew Brees was great, but the system of Sean Payton was definitely, the scheme The scheme was key, you know, to a lot of the greatness. And there's no denying that, really. And so for, for me, I wonder if the Lions fan base has just experienced a lot of loss. So in terms of, you know, just no playoffs and since what, like 1993 or something? Well, they've been in the playoffs, but no division title since the early 90s. And maybe that creates a just a happy to be there kind of mentality. Yeah, that, that could be it, you know, and even though I live here, like I said, I'm just, you know, texting a handful of people and, um, I don't really watch like the local, you know, like the local shows and, and, or listen to any of the local radio or anything. So I, I really, even though I live here, you know, like I have like a, a four or five person advantage of knowing what's going on compared to anybody else. So I don't, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know how uh, how people feel about it. I guess in general. So you don't think he'll change his aggressive mentality, that style? You think it's going to be field goals next year, or or same mentality? The way he's spoken that post game press conference, he really seems to think that 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 this going for it on fourth thing is the toughness, and it's like you can still be tough and kick kick a field goal to go up three scores. You know, when you're inside the 40, I don't understand. So I don't know. It'll be interesting next year. It was just such a weird scenario where you, because like early on in the year, like I felt like, I mean, I knew this. It's one of those things where um, the only thing I can compare it to is the Memphis. There was a Memphis uh, a college, college basketball, and they had John Calipari, and they had um, dude who uh, busted his knees. What's his name? Uh, Derek Rose. So they had Derek Rose, and I remember early in the season they were terrible at shooting free throws. 
And I remember Calipari being interviewed and he said, I don't even care about free throws. He's like, that's the last thing I scout when I look at a player. It's the last thing we worry about. He tried to ignore it, but it felt like it was this Achilles heel just hanging over the team. And guess what? National championship game, they have a chance to put it away. Free throws, they doink them, they miss them, they end up losing the national championship. And I felt all year, I remember making these comments like at the beginning, like telling my buddies, like this fourth down stuff, it's going to be, it's going to pop up in the playoffs. It's going to rear its head. He's going to go for it on fourth just to be tough guy. I go for it on fourth and it's going to end up biting us in the butt. And I think that that's one of the things too that kind of made me angry is that it's so predictable. It's like, you know that this is going to end up screwing it. It's like having Brett Favre where it's like, you know that he's going to throw a pick, you know, in a crucial situation. That's how your season's going to end. And I just kind of felt like you just kind of knew it was coming. Yeah, and I totally get what you're saying because whenever my team is having a successful year, as a if I think if you're a more analytical sports fan, or you you just pay attention to the X's and O's and the the, the pros and cons of the team, you notice like this is a flaw. If they exploit this, mm-hmm. if in the playoffs we're gonna lose and. Maybe you're just more attentive to those things, you know, because I could definitely identify with that. Whenever my team, doesn't matter the sport, is going deep into the playoffs, I always am aware of, um, I remember a few years ago when the Saints lost to the Bucks, they they were weak at linebacker. They had a guy named, actually, they had Anzalone, who who is a, a Lions linebacker now. <laughs> and and yeah. everyone kept saying, Anzalone is going to get exploited by Tom, you know, by whoever. Yeah. And sure enough, when they lost that playoff game, Tom Brady kept going after him. And that was the that was the weakness. I don't know if he got exploited by the Niners, but he was weak in coverage back then. Maybe he's re- recovered. Yeah. I don't know. But that that's kind of, you know, I, that's what I was associating it with. And that's just, you know, and like in, in basketball, free throws. If, if, if you can't make your free throws, I, I see that with the Sacramento Kings right now. I'm sure you do, too. I know that that's going to come back in the playoffs. Like you better start making your free throws or bad things are going to happen because that's an essential part of winning basketball. Yeah. And no spoiler alerts, but guess what? There will be a free throw situation when you watch, uh, when you watch tonight's game. That's why I was a little distracted looking over at the, uh, you know, cause I won't tell you which way it ended up going, but there was like a potential meltdown situation uh so well how many times has that happened the kings losing to the bucks a couple weeks ago i don't know if you watched that game but Mm -hmm. i mean unbelievable so but i want to come back to this idea of bad playoff losses and specifically the idea of momentum so let's take a quick break on the classics podcast and then we'll come back to this idea of is momentum a real thing do you believe in it and did you feel a shift when you were watching the the, the playoff loss last week. So we'll be, we'll be back after this quick break on the Class X podcast. Welcome back to the Class X podcast. Okay, so John, how about momentum? Do you believe in it? And, uh, you know, I know it's a big debate in sports, Personally, I think it's real. I, I felt it numerous times, not just watching sports, but playing, playing basketball. I know you played baseball and golf. As, as a fan, I feel it. As an athlete in the past, I felt it. It's a debate between the stats people and the people who don't think 
that you can measure everything in sports. What do you think of momentum? Because I definitely feel like there was something going on there with momentum in last week's game. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like there definitely is in basketball and football, um, because I think a lot of times in baseball it's just the guy on the mound. And so if you have a guy who's just like just dealing, like I think that that's the momentum right there. You know, a lot of times. Uh, but like when you're watching that, you know, the when you're watching football, you can just feel it. You know, like right after halftime, like right. You know, when there was like a big fumble, like at a key point, and uh, you can just kind of feel it. Like, like I, you, it almost feels inevitable, you know? And I feel like you get that feeling in basketball too. Like, there will be times where, uh, like, your team, it just feels like there's a lid on the basket and they just can't make anything, you know? And so I feel like there is. And I feel like players, I feel like I've heard them talk about, you know, there being momentum too. So I feel like if, as a fan, you feel like there's momentum, and if the players agree that there's momentum, um, you know, I understand the viewpoint that like it wouldn't exist or, you know, um, just like how people say they're in the zone, but like they, they think they've proven that there's no such thing as being in the zone. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, I, I think there is momentum and I think there is zone. I, I've been in zones and playing basketball where you just don't miss, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just, there's a confidence, there's a, there's a energy you, you just, you just can't miss. And so I, I just feel like people who don't play sports don't understand it. That's just how I feel. I think it, I think if you play sports, you know that there is momentum. And every athlete I've ever heard says that. But like I said, I've experienced it so many times. Yeah, you see it in golf. Like um, there's a guy who won a tournament last week. And kind of, I don't know if he came out of nowhere or not, but he's not like one of the major names. And then this week, so he qualified. He got into this Pebble Beach tournament. Um, this week, and he's like at the top of the leaderboard again, and I would think that he would probably feel like he's in the zone, and if you're playing a sport where a repeated motion, whether it's shooting a basketball or or hitting a golf ball, where like that repeatability in your swing, if that if you're like, you keep hitting that over and over again, and the proof is in the in the uh, outcome, like if this guy keeps, you know, for this short period of time is like at the top of the leaderboard, what else is that? If it's not you could just say, well, he's just playing well. It's like, well, yeah, what's well, making him play well? He's in a groove, you know? Right. And, I, you know, and this the stats issue is important to the Lions' loss also because I think the analytics would say go for it on fourth down, which is what's driving Dan Campbell. But the reality is, again, I'm, I don't know why. I'm not usually anti-stats. I think stats works in certain sports like baseball for example, a guy will hit it to a certain direction often so you can shift the the team that way. But in a lot of sports, I do think that football is this way. There are so many variables at play that you can't really measure. In other words, you can't really have a scientific study of football. There's weather differences. You're playing against different levels of opponent. And, you know, even let's say yeah. you're studying running the football or, you know, when should you run the football? Well, I mean, who's on the opposing defensive line or when? Exactly. So, so it's so, so what are you going to say? Well, teams, they make it 55% of the time, but what teams are you talking about and who are they playing and who was the quarterback? I just think that it's not scientific. When you really look at what is science, science respects controlled experiments and there's nothing controlled about this in any way. Yeah, that's that's what used to bug me about Moneyball is when the A's wouldn't steal bases. And it's like, well, hey, 
you know, if you do the math of all the guys who've been playing since the Civil War, you know, hey, it doesn't make sense to try and, you know, it's like, well, what if you have Ricky Henderson on first base and Mike Piazza, who can't throw out anybody behind the plate, why would you not steal second base? Just because, you know, over time, for the last hundred years, the average is it doesn't work? Well, who are the individuals, like you said, who are the individuals involved? And in this case, like with the Lions, you have a chance to go up three scores. The other team's only going to get the ball four or five more times. So why, like, you know, like that I think should play into it too. Totally. And we were texting during the game, and I think that's what that was a point that we both made. Even when it initially happened, I was like, I think you should just go up three scores. And that, that makes more sense to right. me. Statistically, I don't know, but I do know that there's a – time limit on each game and if you're up three scores with about a quarter and a half left that's not so good for your opponent so that kind of surprised me but it does go into the idea of choking so with momentum I do think that the Lions choked and probably from in terms of coaching I mean they're a young team also and they haven't been there before also as you said the fan base hasn't either the Niners have been there. I mean, I think they've been to four out of the last five NFC championship games. So I guess I always mm-hmm. connect these things. You know, to me, I, I just value experience. And I can see that experience may have played a role. Do you, do you think that the, the Lions may have choked? Um, Possibly. I think, uh, yeah, maybe like on individual levels, you know, like certain players. Because there's a guy who dropped a couple of uh, uh, key, uh, I think it was the same wide receiver who dropped the fourth down. There were two fourth downs, like the ones where they, instead of kicking, like threw it. And one of them, I think he got kind of a bad rap for because it was like kind of thrown behind him, I think. And he at least had to like stretch for it to try and get it. Um, But um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if they really choked as much as like just the marriage to the, to the um, going forward on fourth down, seeing it as such a big, you know, such a big deal. Um, I think that was kind of more of that than, than a choke, just more of like a, uh, you know, just su- such a commitment to this like weird symbolic kind of thing with we go forward on fourth, you know, well, congrats. Yeah, you might be right. I just always, th- I don't know, I always connect it to my career and your career to think about like when you were a first year teacher or a fifth year teacher compared to your 15th year, how, how nervous were you back then versus now, you know? And I just imagine, well, I think in sports, if you are too old, we're seeing that with the Warriors, for example, or the Lakers, experience, you know, there's a peak to it. But if you have experience and you're still athletic enough to compete with the young players, experience is probably a, a big factor. At least that's the way I look at it. Do you see it that way? Uh, it could be. But I think also there's, a, there's kind of a thing where you can be uh, young and... Uh, not realize the gravity of a scenario and that could kind of play into it, you know, too, where you're just, you don't know any better. So you're just going out there and, and, uh, you know, going for it. Um, but yeah, I think so. I think in the lion's case, it wasn't, it wasn't like Dan Campbell was like, ah, I guess we'll just go for it. It's like, no, he really wants to go for it. That's what he does. They go for it more than anybody in the league. So I think, uh, I don't think that was a choking choke job on that. Maybe you could say that for the the third down play where they there was a play towards the end of the game where they tried to get too cute and they tried to like run the ball and they got stuffed and then it forced them to take a timeout basically you know almost like effectively into the game at that point um 
But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. But I think also, too, you know, sometimes I think just kind of being youthful and not really understanding the gravity of it could help, too. That's a good point. That that definitely happens sometimes where the, the youth movement, the youth of a team, they just don't even – they're just playing and having fun. And, you know, I, I guess with the, the Niners games, this – this playoff run, I saw the Packers, they seem like a youthful team. And the first three quarters, they were playing with a lot of, they were just playing in a free kind of way. Same thing seemed to be going for the Lions. And then they collapsed and the Niners ended up winning. So, you know, in that way, I don't know. It, to, me, to me, it just seemed like the Niners were benefiting from their experience. Do you see this Niners team as being the Super Bowl favorite, do you think they're going to win? Or do you, do you see it going the other way? I have no idea what to think about it because I thought going into the into the NFC Championship, I was almost more scared of the Packers the, just because of Jordan Love um, than I was the Niners. And there's a, just a thing with the Niners where Brock Purdy, like, he, there's a chance for him to short circuit and just throw some dumb picks and um, – you know, it seems like the first half, it kind of seems like it takes them a while to get going or like they're soon to be a second half team, I think, and in other games just, you know, other than just this last one with the Lions. Uh, so I don't know what to think about. I think that they clearly have a better roster, but then again, you have, you know, maybe the second best quarterback of all time on the other side. So to me, I'm, I kind of feel like never bet against Mahomes kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Who do you think? Who do you think is going to take it? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I have a hard time. Someone asked me recently. I, they just seem like even teams to me, and if I have to bet, I would bet on Mahomes. I don't usually like the 49ers, but I kind of want them to win because I don't know. I don't want to see the Chiefs win again. They, yeah, it's, it's a little bit too much for me. I don't, I don't like when a team wins so much and they become a this dominant, dominant team, and even when they don't play too well. And I think that's part of it. The Niners seem to have had a really good team for about five years now. So it seems seems like they should, they deserve to win. And Kansas City, well, no one really deserves it, but you know what I mean. And Kansas City, they weren't very good this year. I can't even believe they're in the Super Bowl because they did not look good to me for most of the year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's, it's a weird game. It's like one where... Um, you know, it doesn't really feel like, I think, too, like the Vegas line, I think, is pretty close. Like, I don't know who's favored right now. I, I think that the Niners opened up as a favorite by, like, one and a half or two or something, um, which I think is kind of odd. Because it usually feels like there's either an underdog team or there's, like, uh, some other kind of narrative where, like, you want to see this quarterback, you know, finally win one or something. Uh, but it is kind of a weird game with, like, no real clear underdog and just kind of the way that it's, like, you have... I think that there's a head coaching advantage, too, with the Chiefs, with uh, Andy Reid, at least because he's battle-tested in these close games where he's proven that they've won, you know, which hasn't always been the book on him. But um, So I kind of feel like they have, like, the advantage in the most crucial, uh, you know, with the most crucial pieces with the uh, head coach and the quarterback. But the roster is just so, uh, it seems like so, such a glaring, like, kind of advantage in the in the Niners' favor. Yeah, it, it does seem that way. If if Purdy doesn't throw picks or turn the ball over, I bet on the Niners. If he does, it's probably going to go the Chiefs' mm -hmm. way. He does seem to be the X factor because Mahomes is going to play. I mean, he didn't play that well against Baltimore. Baltimore is the biggest disappointment yeah. to me. 
I think Baltimore is a bigger disappointment than Detroit because Detroit. Oh yeah. I, the fans in Detroit feel that the way that you described because it was a good season for you guys, but Baltimore, they were the best team in the league. They dominated the 49ers. They really should have dominated the chiefs. I'm not sure what happened there. I'm not sure. Yeah. They, and they beat during the regular season beat like, I think it was like 10 playoff teams or something or, or not, I don't know if that's physical or, but they beat like 10 teams with winning records or there's some like crazy stat where, and they didn't just beat them. Like they dominated teams. Like when they played the, the lions, they destroyed us. Um, so yeah, and a lot, and for the Lions, they we won like a lot of really close games, close games against kind of like competition where you're like, you know, you don't feel very confident coming out of it because like if we're squeaking by these guys, what's going to happen when we play the big boys? So I don't but know. I think that was a, that's a problem in our media. I know me, you and I both listen to Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal, and you know their their podcast, and they'd make fun of the NFC South a lot, but turned out the NFC South wasn't that bad in the playoffs. And, you know, the Lions, I know they had like a close game against the Saints, but the Saints weren't really that bad and neither were the Bucks. So a lot of times there is this overvaluing of the NFC East in football and mm-hmm. um, for years, the AFC East also probably just the East Coast teams. I think in general, there's a there's an overvaluing of those teams. And in reality, maybe those divisions specifically in the NFC, the, the NFC South, and, and and the North also, they're not the the fun divisions in, unless unless you're a fan of those those teams. And I could definitely see that surprising people. Like how is how are the Lions good? Well, you've watched the Lions all year, so you know they're pretty good. And if they're winning close games, it's, it's hard to say. Also, they're winning close games, but it's the NFL. There's so much parity going on. So it, at least they're winning consistently. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, John, let's take a quick break. And I want to go into uh, bad playoff losses. So, in general, kind of making some connections. Because listening to your team lose was bringing back bad playoff losses for me. So, maybe it brought it back for you. Uh, Let's just see after this quick break on the Class X podcast. Welcome back to the Class X Podcast. Okay, let's talk about bad playoff losses, my connections. Your uh, your team created some trauma for me that carried over. So my worst, I, this is my list. The Minnesota Miracle, I, I hate calling it that, but the Minnesota Miracle against the Saints. The Saints losing to the 49ers in the 2011 playoffs. Saints losing to the Rams, got to mention that, 2018. And then I have the Kings losing. That has to be number one, I would think. You know, it's funny because I the Minnesota one hurts more in some ways. I think in my memory, hmm. it was more of a shock. Okay. Yeah, because that play was very odd. And I remember re-watching the play over and over again, thinking, what happened? That was the strangest play. How do you not tackle someone and... How do you give up a play like that? Because no one ever does that, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird. So sorry. I, I broke your flow. You broke, and then the Kings. The Kings. and But you're right. Uh, I, I don't know. They're all different. The Kings in 02. Because, you know, you have the series with the, with the Lakers. And the Kings were the best team. I, I think with the four that I mentioned, the similarities are that I feel all four teams could have won the championship. And I thought they were the best in the league that year. Now, you could debate it. But as yeah. a fan, I felt that way. And so... That that seems to be a huge role in, in in how I feel. If I didn't feel that way, it wouldn't be so painful. So like, like the Kings in 02, they would definitely have beaten the Nets. There's no doubt about it in the finals. And they were clearly better than the Lakers that year. I mean, I think they should have beaten the Lakers yeah. in five that year. And then those Saints teams, at least two out of those three teams probably were Super Bowl contenders and should have won the Super Bowl, in my opinion. So that that definitely adds to the pain there were A's losses in there too, but in baseball, it's kind of hard to say, oh, the A's would have won in the next round. It was more like tough to see them lose to the Yankees or or the Tigers for year after year after year. What about you, John? Yeah. Uh, the biggest one for me is, is last year with the Kings and Warriors, just because I had a lot invested in hating on the Warriors because um, like guys I stay in touch with in California are, talk a lot of trash. And I felt like, hey, we got them. Like, we can do this. We can beat them. And when a player underperforms at the level that Sabonis did, it just gets so frustrating, and I was so angry at him. Uh, so that one hurt the worst. But there have been some other big ones. Um, in a previous life, I was a, a Steelers fan before I moved to Detroit and was too cheap to buy the Sunday ticket and just jumped on the, the Tigers bandwagon where they lost a playoff game um, to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And the reason why it hurt and the reason why I thought that maybe the St. Louis uh, loss when uh, the Saints lost to the Rams would be your worst one is because it hinged on a on a terrible refereeing decision or no call. And I think that that was what was frustrating about the, the Steelers and Jaguars playoff game. Um, plus, I was in my mid-20s. I had just moved back from a college. My girlfriend, who I thought was going to move out with me, dumped me. And so I'm hanging out by myself. Um, and I don't really have a whole lot going on. I'm like substitute teaching and trying to finish my teacher credential. And like basically my life revolved around that game that day. And so I think that really gave it some extra, extra sting. Um, and then some of those A's playoff losses, like, uh, we've had somewhere we lost like in the, like the one game kind of play in deal. And those ones just kind of feel like, I think the A's kind of got to a point for me where, we just always lose in the playoffs, you know, like no matter what's going on in the regular season, we just kind of, um, you know, kind of choke in the playoffs. And so it almost just kind of felt like, well, that's just kind of what happens. I feel the same exact way about the A's. And I can connect with what you were saying about the Warriors Kings. Cause when the, when the saints lost in 2011, I always, it's funny. Cause I always felt as if that was a huge loss. And then I read later in a, I think a Drew Brees book, or, or Sean Payton, one of, one of them, they they said that that was the best team they ever had. There was it was better than the Super Bowl team. So as a fan, I probably recognized that. And they also lost to the mm-hmm. 49ers. So being here, the 49ers are definitely a strong bandwagon team. And so noticing yeah. all of these people all of a sudden show up in their Niners jerseys. I was even joking. It's the worst fan base, dude. I, I There was a thing on the telecast where they were saying, this fan base really shows up. And that really bugs me because I'm like, no, they don't. When they're when the Niners are losing, you don't hear anything about them. Nothing. 
when you're when if you live in Northern California. They're just a ghost team until they pop up. And it's worse than that. First, I, I know I know Niners fans who are very loyal, so there are really good loyal Niners fans. But you are right. As far as if you were to compare them to Lions or Saints fan bases, not even close because those fan bases could be eight and eight and really excited about making the playoffs. Over here, the team has to be going to the NFC title game before people start talking about the team, which is very odd to me. But you know, I, I teach in the Bay Area, so I just told my students a week or two ago, you know, last week, a few days before the Lions game, I was I just said, oh well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing your Niners jerseys after they if they win this game because you know it was <laughs> yeah. and they were just looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I just said, I've been teaching here for long enough where I know the pattern and you know the 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 bandwagon is just really it's a big thing and it's just not not for, just for the Niners it's for the Warriors as well and definitely for the Giants now I know a couple guys who are loyal fans of all those teams and they're really good fans but that doesn't seem to be the norm in this area and it's probably a, a big city thing or maybe it's a west coast thing but that that made it sting even more because all of a sudden I, I noticed all these Niners jerseys and they were calling it the yeah. catch two against the Saints. I just, I, I just, I couldn't handle it. Could not handle it. I, I, yeah, I think it's a, a city with options kind of thing. Like when the Miami Heat, you know, like they're losing like in a finals game and fans just leave early, you know. And I think it's just like in, in some cities like where you have a lot, a lot of really awesome stuff you could be doing. I kind of feel like the sports teams kind of, which I, I mean, I guess there are teams that kind of break through that. Like I know like Lakers are always like hardcore fans and the Yankees, you know, for the most part have really hardcore fans and they always fill it up. But uh, yeah, it does kind of seem like certain areas, like you, the sports really have to be doing something for the fans to get into it. Yeah, the Lakers are an interesting one because I, I don't have any criticisms of Lakers fans. They are very loyal and I talk to Lakers fans who are really inter- interested in the Lakers, even when they're losing. They seem to be a very loyal fan base. You're right. Yeah, they do. So let's finish with this, John. Are you optimistic about next year? I mean, you know, you have a very good team in Detroit, and I, I would be optimistic, but did the loss affect you in that way, or are you already ready to go to next year? Um, it did kind of feel like, hey, you had a, you know, you had it in the bag at halftime, and this might be the only shot. I especially felt like that in the moment because I thought that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, was as good as gone. You know, so I don't know who would have replaced him or anything, but you know, the the toughness biting kneecaps wasn't going to get it done next year without somebody really who knows what they're doing um, calling the plays. And so I think that the fact that Ben Johnson's coming back, I think that does give me hope. Like, hey, you can still still win next year. I think there's some stuff kind of looming like salary cap wise where they're going to have to make a decision on golf. I think he, off the top of my head, I think he has one more year left. And so the salary cap stuff could start kind of becoming a factor, but they're still pretty young, a pretty young team. And um, the defense though is just a problem. And I was really surprised when the Aaron Glenn guy, the defensive coordinator kept getting all this buzz. He was getting at one point more buzz than uh, Ben Johnson for getting a head coaching job, which is just mystifying because the the defense has been the problem. You know, like I think it's they have decent like a decent pass rush and the guys up front are all right, but the back end, like you said, your boy Anzalone can't cover anybody. You know, or he's not not that great. And then their whole defensive backfield they have a they have a rookie who's pretty good, a guy from Alabama, um, and 
you know that, but they don't like defending the pass. They're terrible, like one of the worst in the league. So um, that that kind of thing is looming out there too. So I don't know, you know, I feel like they need to to, to figure that out somehow. But yeah, I do feel since Johnson's coming back, I do feel pretty good about about them going forward. How how do you feel about your guys? Well, you guys. Well, first, you guys have a Saints 2.0 going for you because you have Aaron Glenn, who was the Saints guy, Dan Campbell, who was a huge Saints guy, CJ yeah. Gardner-Johnson. I didn't even know he was on your team, and I just thought, okay, of uh-huh. course he is. And Anzalone. There's just so many Saints guys that I see on that Detroit team. And then the fact that you play in the Dome, and obviously, there's just there's just connections I see between the Lions and the, and the Saints, which, you know, it makes them a fun team at the same time. I just think that in football, you you know you make it one year and you may never you never make it you may never never make it again. You know, it's mm-hmm. football is kind of yeah. weird like that where or you may make it to the first round and get eliminated for multiple years in a row or or the second round and that's that's what I experienced with that sixteen year run with Peyton and, and Breeze where you know in football it's hard to to get so deep into the playoffs. The Patriots and the Chiefs, those are outliers. Most teams actually mm-hmm. that are that are good don't typically make it that far. Look at look at it's not just Breeze. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He was the same way. He only got to the Super Bowl one time. So, you know, that's kind of the thing in football. So who knows? Maybe you guys will make it next year. Maybe you'll be good and get eliminated in the first, second round. It's really hard to tell. So I do think that that's what makes it, at least for me, if I was a fan, a little bit more painful where it's because I because I experienced that with the Saints, knowing that okay, it's not really um, necessarily going to be a sure thing. Maybe because injuries are such a big deal in football. Also, I'm I'm kind of excited about the Saints because they're going to get a Niners guy, uh, offensive coordinator, and uh, the people are excited about that because that was a big problem. Sort of the opposite of the of the Lions, where the defense was really good for it's been good for for years now, and the offense and Derek Carr. He, he kind of needs a different system, it seems like, and and maybe that will help. Or maybe they'll they'll draft a quarterback also, which I, I'm kind of hoping for also. Do you think yeah. do you think in the future you're gonna look at big games differently? Like, are you gonna be thinking, okay, this is not over? Because I know that's how I feel when I watch a game now. Like it's not over until it's over. Yeah, it depends on if you're the if you're the team that feels like you know, you, you just feel like they're better, you know? So I think that's kind of why going into halftime of that game and or coming out of halftime, it kind of felt like an inevitable kind of slide to this is gonna, not going to work out well. Just because the Niners are, like, just position by position, you look at the players more talented, you know? So I think uh, it just kind of depends on, you know, if you're the favorite. Like, if you feel like, hey, we got these guys, we should be able to beat them, you know? Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think I'll look at it any differently. Um, I think it just kind of depends on which, which side of the, uh, you know, of the talent, you know, the advantage or the disadvantage that you're on. Okay. So let's, let's finish with this Super Bowl predictions. And I'm going to actually make a prediction. I'm going to say Niners by 10. Dang. Yeah. I I think the Niners, Okay. you, you kind of convinced me that they have a lot of talent. I know they have a lot of talent. I actually like their coach. Andy Reid's a good coach. I I don't really like the 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 Kansas City team. They I, I see the Niners winning thirty twenty. Okay, 
I'll I'll take the Chiefs just because I feel like that Super Bowl game is just so weird and so different and it's such like a stressful thing on players or in, in like a scenario that they've never been in before if they've never played in it and I just kind of feel like sometimes those games are weird like they take a while to get going kind of and it's kind of like a uh, like at the beginning of a boxing match when guys are kind of like dancing around sizing each other up it kind of feels like there's always like a weird vibe to the to the Super Bowl and I just kind of trust kind of like how you say like with um, experience I, I don't think that's going to be a problem for Mahomes or for Kelsey or for Reed or for any of their, uh, you know, really key players. So just for that reason, I'll take just because it can be a weird game. I'll I'll take uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. By how much? Oh, I have no idea. Probably in a close one, just because I think that the better roster is San Francisco. Um, but and it's hard, one of those kind of recency bias things where I just saw San Francisco a couple of times, kind of like you know, sputter out of the gate and then like turn it on. And I don't think you can sputter out of the gate against, uh, against Mahomes. So I don't know. I'd take him by in, in, in a close one. See, I look at it like this. If the chiefs win, I could see them winning big because Purdy throws a bunch of picks and fumbles the ball and they just get out of their system. Their scheme just isn't working or, or they have to come back from behind and, and it doesn't work out. So I could see the Chiefs winning big. Or I could see the Niners having that Niners game where they're just like in charge, winning, and the other team is struggling a little bit. So we'll see. It yeah. is an interesting Super Bowl, and there's a, a lot of excitement. No one's, I don't know if anyone's really talking about the fact that this is the second time these teams are playing in the Super Bowl. So they have been the dominant teams in their conferences for the last few years. So in some ways, it, yeah. it makes sense that these two teams will be playing each other again in the Super Bowl. And uh, different quarterback for the Niners, though, but pretty much the same system and many of the same players. Now, McCaffrey, is he hurt or is he healthy? I have no idea. But I know we're kind of winding down. Do you kind of feel with the Niners that, um, you know, like how the Warriors, they always had like that third quarter avalanche of points that like you're just kind of waiting for it to happen? Do you kind of feel like that way about the Niners a little bit? Like that that uh, they're just so like they have so much talent that like at some point they're gonna get going, kind of a thing. Yeah, I definitely feel feel that the Niners are. It's hard to stop them for four quarters, and they have so much talent. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I never feel as if they're gonna lose. I, I watch them, and I, I just see a team that seems to be loaded. And the only time I thought that was when they played Baltimore. That's why Baltimore right. was my team. To me, Baltimore was the best team in football. I still think that. that football is the one sport where because of the single elimination tournament and the, the the weather as a factor or just a team being off in the game, injuries right. obviously is a huge role. Football is the one sport where I, I personally don't, believe that the best team wins all the time. In fact, I would say most of the time, it's not the best team that wins the Super Bowl. It's just a weird sport. Basketball, on the other hand, it's a seven-game series. You know, yeah. momentum can only take you so far. Seven games, you have to be the better team. Or you have to have that experience. Or someone like Steph Curry has to get hot in the way that he got hot last year against the Kings. So something has to happen in order for a team to win. And then to win the finals, you have you have to be the best. I mean, look at Jokic last year and that Denver team. They were clearly, to me, they were clearly the best team. And 
But in football, yeah, it's, it, could, it can go any way. And, and football has created a parity system. So it's, it's made for that. It's made for this back and forth. You never know who's going to win. So football is kind of an, an interesting sport where the, the best team doesn't always win. I mean, look at the Cowboys. How many people thought the Cowboys were going to just be dominant? And they should have been. I don't really think. Who did the Cowboys lose to? Was it Tampa? Or? Um, no, did oh, they, they lost to uh, Green Bay, right? Yeah. They got I, mean, by Green Bay. I mean, you saw Green Bay play more than me. I, I saw Green Bay play the Saints earlier in the season. And I definitely, the Saints should have won that game. They were dominating them the whole time. But that was early in the season. Green Bay clearly got better. But I think yeah. that Dallas was better than them as a team. But I, I think it's a thing where you, you look at the you get the quarterbacks and it's like there is something to Dak just seems to uh not perform in the playoffs and the same thing with Lamar Jackson. And it's kinda of hard to like write guys off and say they'll never be able to do it, but man, it's starting to get a, a pretty big uh, sample size for both of them. Yeah, that's true. At least Lamar played well in the second round. And then, yeah, this that, that that next game, the conference title game, he struggled. Was that his first conference title game? I think, I don't know. I want to say, yeah, just because um, I think that he's been so bad in the playoffs. I can't remember a time where they've won two games in a row, you know, or whatever to get there. So I don't know. Yeah, and, and when you play in Baltimore, the weather's going to always be a factor when the playoffs hit. So I wonder if that's yeah. a factor too. Because, you know, there's certain teams, Baltimore... Chicago, they always have good defenses, and I don't know how you can ignore the weather as a factor to that because it's freezing and no one can throw the ball. That's why, you know, if you put Lamar in Atlanta, let's say, in a dome, he might be a totally different player in the playoffs because, you know, you're just in yeah, a that's dome. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Controversial, yeah, a good point. controversial take before we go. I don't know why football isn't just played in a dome. I don't, yeah, every I just I just think I mean it could be is it is it Seattle that has the, the the dome that can go up you know cover or not like if it's bad weather just dome it up man I don't know I hate I just hate the aesthetic like I, I hate even like when the Lions are home I just don't like the way it looks I like I like visually on the TV to see it see it outdoors you don't have fond memories of arena football on ESPN in the late nineties no no that's horrible. <laughs> disgusting i just i don't like weather impacting the game like oh it's raining in san francisco can they throw the ball Eh, just cover it with a dome who cares about the rain i guess or you know you can just you know man up and and get it done all right well on that note we'll we'll (laughs) finish the classics podcast so thanks for listening to this episode and uh please subscribe if you haven't and uh, share it with a friend thanks for listening we'll see you next week Thank mm-hmm. you.